Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer. Diane Xavier is running the board. And we like to talk about Catholic things on this program. If it's local and Catholic, then it fits the uh, uh, for this program. And I recently was at a an event at our my dear friend Margie John Julio's house where she was giving an information session about uh, the Sarah Club for the, the, the Metro Dallas Sarah Club, I think is her, her group. And I met a whole lot of really nice people, some familiar faces, and I came across one wonderful lady by the name of Lauren Davis. She was there with her uh, son, Pierce, and her husband, Ben, and just has a really interesting story of really engagement, involvement in the local community, uh, becoming Catholic, uh, just has undergone a lot of suffering and, you know, just a whole lot in her life. So I asked her to come in and tell us a little bit about her story. And here she is in studio with me. So, uh, Lauren, thanks for being here. Good, yeah. good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. So you, um, you were born in Houston into a, a family that was far from Catholic, uh, really, uh, not like, atheist antagonistic to christian family is that is that how you would describe your upbringing or what was your upbringing like sure yes um yes i was raised by completely non-believers but i don't you know i love my parents very much they did their best but it just wasn't part of of who they were and very much uh were would say things like if i don't see it i don't believe it but I always felt a, you know, a calling to Jesus. It was somehow present in my life in, uh, in ways by, I look back as a mother and I think of all these mothers that showed up in my life and would take me to church here or there. My parents never said no, but they just certainly were kind of looked at me like, hmm, why does she want to go to church? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wants to go to church? So from a young age, you were drawn to uh, Christianity. Yes, yeah, I com- I very much was and always went to um when I got invited to like Wednesday night church at a Baptist yeah. church in our little town in Canyon Lake. Um I had a dear friend um the Doves, uh Deanna Dove and my friend was Ashley and and when I'd spend the night at her house, um she dressed me up like her, do my hair like her, put me in a church dress and I think it was like a Church of Christ or something mm-hmm. and we'd go and do the thing and I just loved it. Yeah. So why, what was the attraction to the Catholic Church? Your husband was a fallen away Catholic, but, but cradle Catholic, right, Ben? Yes. And, uh, and I should say that, uh, Ben and Lauren have, uh, three children. Benjamin is 15, Paris is 14, Caroline is almost 12, and, uh, they live in Dallas. Uh, so what, what was the kind of movement towards Catholicism? Sure. Yeah. My husband's family was Catholic. His mother, or his grandmother was actually left on the doorstep of a convent. Oh, yes. She was raised by nuns. And then her, his mom was adopted and raised very, you know, very strict Catholic. And right before his confirmation, for whatever reason, I think it might have been the passing of his grandmother, um, they just sort of fell away. And, you know, life life happens that way for some of us in, in families. And so when we found each other, my husband and I, when we were 16 in high school, um, we just had a real strong sense and bond of um, wanting to break the cycle and just to live our life a little differently than, mm-hmm. say, how we were raised. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. truly believe parents are doing their best and um, of what they know and where they're at in life. And it's our job to continue to keep doing better. And um, 
So when we decided to get married, we married very young in 2005, I believe we were 20. Um, it started making me think about um, how I wanted to live my life and raise my family. And um, he was so gracious and went around to all the churches. <laughs> I said, I want to try them all out. You know, I want to try them on. <laughs> we went yeah. to big mega churches. We went to that church, this church, and, and we landed um, one day at St. Michael's in Bedford. Yeah. And yeah. I just got this overwhelming sense of I'm home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember saying that. And you weren't Catholic yet, right? You, no, you're just, you're, you're not home, at okay. all. And my husband, I, I would say, wasn't he was Catholic. He was a baptized Catholic, but not practicing. Not practicing yeah. at all. And he was just very kind and, and open to me, just exploring all the different faiths because I just had no foundation, mm-hmm. right? Other than yeah. going around to different churches with friends. So I was very curious. And um, and just I just remember, I'll never forget that day. I can see it in in my eyes being at St. Michael's and just literally saying, this feels like home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved uh, how calm it was, how um, just uh, tra- all the traditions, um, it just felt right. Yeah. And yeah. so I decided to do RCIA there. I had never been baptized before. So um, I did the RCA program at St. Michael's mm, okay. and he did it with me too. And oh, we had okay. sponsors and he got his confirmation because oh, he never good. was confirmed. That must've been great for the marriage. Oh, it was. And right at that time we were getting married and we got married in a Catholic church, a really beautiful mission in San Antonio. Okay. Um, so we just made a firm commitment to raise our family Catholic and be Catholics and, and love it. I loved RCIA so much. Yeah, yeah. And you have, um, you, you're, you're a, a parishioner at St. Monica and mm-hmm. sometimes Christ the King in Dallas. And you even taught CCD at St. Monica in the last five years or so, right? Yes, yeah. I got the opportunity when I was in, enrolling my kids for their classes. Um, they were down volunteers. And yeah. you'll maybe learn about me through this interview that when called or when asked, I just do. Yeah. I'm a very action-oriented person, and um, they needed a volunteer. And I said, well, um, I'm new, and yeah. I don't know much, but I'm committed to you know to learning and, and doing a good job. And they said, sometimes you all just make the best teachers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you converts. Yeah. Yeah. And so I signed up, and I taught the... Um, the first communion year okay. with a bunch of sweet yeah. second graders and yeah, the cute age it is. Yeah. And they're so sweet. And I would study, you know, my heart out um, all week to put together a good lesson mm-hmm. um, for Sunday. And I'll never forget a mom, you know, I had sometimes some of the kids would fall asleep and I was doing all the <laughs> teaching things like, how do I make this fun and interesting? And, um, keep the kids engaged. And the mom eventually came to me and said, what are you doing in that class? My kids love it. All right. All yeah. Right. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. It was a great blessing. You, you told me a story that I think is such a beautiful Catholic story. If you don't mind sharing with the audience about uh, a, really a tragedy of your sister losing her son and just some of the Catholic elements that really make for a beautiful story that you introduced uh, to her to her son uh, as he was tragically dying uh, last year, right? Yes, yes. Um, yes, I'm, you know, uh, part of my personality is being a sharer. I'm a sharer of information. And, um, you know, as a young child and an adult, I've had a lot of suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm very connected to my suffering. And I feel like as humans at times, if we connected in our suffering, we might just be kinder, more empathetic people versus trying to connect in all of our worldly successes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that we do have is shared suffering. And um, 
And uh, how I've gotten through mine is my faith. And my sister, uh, and she was in Houston. Her son, um, his name is Christopher, is was twenty was twenty years old, and has Down syndrome, very severe Down syndrome. And um, they both got COVID, and um, he ended up, you know, he he had a lot of comorbidities, right? And he ended up in the hospital. Um, in a very grave um, situation. And so when I uh, found that out, you know, I called her. And honestly, we had a strained relationship, I'll tell mm-hmm. you. We just weren't on the same paths all the time. But I, it was Christmas in 2021, so just a few yeah, months ago. Yeah, just less than half a year ago, yeah. And um, I just felt God say, you need, to, you need to call her, you need to reach out. And I found out how bad it was. And I said, you can't get through suffering like this without Christ. I'm coming right now. And that was Christmas night. And I dro- nine o'clock at night, I dropped everything and drove down there with some St. Serapian oil, a rosary, a Bible, and some blessed salts. And, uh, on Christmas night. On Christmas night. The family's like, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> They're like, please be careful. You're yeah. like driving late at night. I just felt so called to do it because yeah. we didn't know, like, is he going to live? And I, and she was open to it and it was so beautiful. And mm. so I got there. We convinced the hospital to let me in. Yeah. I got all suited up, quadruple mask. I don't even know. I couldn't breathe <laughs> and all this stuff I had to wear. I don't know how our healthcare workers do it. And, uh, we were able to, to pray over him and, and rub some of that St. Serapian oil. All we could really get contact with were his feet. And so we just rubbed his feet yeah. and prayed. And, um, and then we have had, I go to rosary every Tuesday at my friend Melissa Sapio's house. She's so wonderful. And um, we called her in and prayed the rosary with Christopher and my sister that next Tuesday after Christmas. And um, Melissa goes, I wonder if he's baptized. Hmm. And I said, I, I don't think he is. Turns out he wasn't. And I said, oh my goodness, he has to get baptized. He has to. And... um and so we got him baptized. Uh, so I started reaching out to, to priests and was able to arrange his baptism. And he died within a few hours after that. Wow. And got to have his baptism From all his From a tiny perspective, I mean, you know, in the early church, people used to wait until right before they died to get baptized, which the church does not recommend because yeah. it's too, too much of a gamble. But, you know, in that case, he, he I mean... He he must, especially for a beautiful Down syndrome uh, person. And he, he was mostly nonverbal too. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Amazing. I mean, it was a blessing for my sister and for Christopher and everyone who experienced that funeral. Um, they did a graveside service. It really turned something so horrific and sudden into something very beautiful. My sister thanks me to this day. And I know hearts were converted in those moments and will continue to be in, in his name. Yeah. Um, there's so, so many different directions we could go with this. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is the interview of the week. Lauren Davis is my guest. She and her husband, Ben, have three children. They're from Dallas, St. Monica, and Christ the King Parish, and owners of a business called The Gents Place. And, you know, there's been a whole lot of other suffering. We won't have touch on all that. You lost your father in a car accident mm-hmm. right before, I think, right after you graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And one of your businesses got hit by the tornado yeah. in Dallas a few years ago. And uh, one, one thing I admire about you is that you, you seem like the person that, w- w- you know, you're not afraid to get involved. You're not afraid to defend. You know, if you see your kids, whether it be issues at schools, uh, you know, 
most of us don't even know who our mayor is, much less, you know, what's going on in the local community. We really need to focus on that, don't we? Yes, yeah. I, the one thing is, yes, I've experienced a lot of suffering. And, you know, my son Pierce is such a gift from God and survived three open heart surgeries. And, and my kids are my inspiration daily, as I think a lot of parents would relate to. And I just think the world we're living in now, our families are under attack. In my opinion, yeah. in my uh, experience at a minimum, is that the family is under attack and, um, and our communities are sick and we need to get involved in whatever capacity that shows up in yeah. your life. And I think that's different for everybody and it's different at every phase of your life. You know, you're here on the radio and ministering to people and I've, I've ministered in my community and family and community in many ways. I work with the homeless doing a pop-up barbershop once a month at Austin Street Center. And we we pray with people, we cut their hair, we give them dignity. And I think the integration of our faith back into every part of our life is extremely important and needed at a time like this. Um, I think there's a war on Christians um, happening. And, um, and uh, it maybe it's going to look different than it has in the past or that it does in other countries, but um, the persecution is increasing. Yeah. And um, raising our kids and fighting for them, demonstrating that we are fighters. I, I personally fought and advocated in, in Dallas ISD for my children. Mm-hmm. Right? They experienced a lot of persecution for decisions we made as a family with them over some of the mandates. And, and it's not about being anti-anything. It's about advocating for your children. Mm-hmm. And that shows up sometimes with kids or maybe who dyslexic and need resources and aren't getting the resources they need in public school. And maybe the family doesn't have the means to go get a private tutor or additional education. We depend on our, our our local resources, right? Whether it be public school or local governments or anything. And so when I see an injustice, I go straight into action. It's just a gift mm-hmm. God gave me. Yeah, And it really has to do with the, the virtue of fortitude, you know, where, uh, and I think that's, you know, courage, fortitude, where a lot of us are lacking it because we, you know, I'm speaking for myself, you want people to like you, you want, you know, kind of, kind of take the, the, the easiest road, but sometimes the, the right road is the hard road, isn't it? I think, and you've taken that a few times in your life. Yes. Yeah. We've taken it in business. It's not in, in our whole life, right? We've, my husband, Ben and I have never taken the easy road and it's, it is shaped and formed our character. And I think that's what Jesus wants us to do. I think that's what we're called to do, but I think it does look different for everybody. And ours mm-hmm. was our initial jump into entrepreneurship. That is a hard road. I remember days him coming home and being like, I don't know how to make payroll, mm-hmm. you know, but when you are willing to take everything that God has given you here on this earth and lay it on the table, he will not leave you hanging. Mm-hmm. He will not leave you alone. And he has not left us alone. And I'll tell you, there's been times where I've felt alone Um, and I use those moments to cry out and say, please help. I cannot do this on my own. Please show me the way I'm here. I'm ready. I'm open. I'm listening. Um, and, and he, and he's responded, um, in ways and it's just built my relationship and my faith and, and in my Catholic faith, particularly. It sounds like every, Every area of your life, your Catholic faith shines through. I mean, the story of Christian and down in Houston and that whole thing is just absolutely beautiful that you're able to organize him getting baptized and the, the rosary and, and all that and uh, your, your friendship with Melissa. But really, you're involved in so many areas of life and business and parenting and schools and, uh, you know, public service. And it really, it, the glue, 
you know, not to mention your marriage and you know, raising kids. The glue has been your faith, hasn't it? Oh my gosh, the glue is my faith. And it has, it has grown in strength and it has weakened. And then it's grown in strength and it's weakened. You know, it's life. It goes yeah. up and down. And so I don't want viewers to think it's been perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's not guaranteed easy. I've heard at times, you know, to be a good Christian, um, and probably particularly Catholic, uh, you know, you should be accused of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause we're oh, living yeah. it so deeply. You should be accused of being it because you, you amplify it. And I know it, or the way our world is going, it is not celebrated as I think it should be. And, um, and so I, I definitely in everything I do, whether it's, you know, um, running for, for office or being a civil servant or volunteering in the homeless community or advocating for my children or being an entrepreneur, we talk about Christ all the time in our mm-hmm. business. You know, not everybody's a Christian that, that works for us, but it's who we are. Yeah. It's who we are. And to leave that out of the story is to leave half of who I am. Yeah. Really to leave all yeah. of who I am. Let's just say that. But to, to leave that out is to leave out who I am. I love the accused of being Catholic. I think about what's going on with the Supreme Court where a lot of this whole abortion thing is being blamed on the Supreme Court justices who are Catholic. And that's why they're going in front of Kavanaugh's house. And, you know, they, they don't like Amy Coney Barrett because, you know, she's Catholic. And right. that's exactly what's happening. They're, they're, Basically hated because they're Catholic and they're holding up, you know, the the the, the um nat- what natural law with in regard to to life. Well, uh, and you're still so young and you have so much life ahead of you. And uh, thank you for your witness. Uh, th- uh-huh. Thank you for um, you know being a, a proud and and faithful Catholic and 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 just. Yes all you're doing so god bless you thank you very much well thank you we are happy warriors in our catholic faith so i want people to just know to to love their faith don't shy away from it especially when they're being persecuted just stand strong and it's gonna be okay and you're gonna join the sirens yes and i am <laughs> i'm gonna keep getting more involved every chance i get yeah 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 like you like you said it's hard to say no to margie it margie, is. margie john julio is uh, a very uh convincing person let's just say her faith is inspiring yeah yeah she's and she's another you know she's got the fortitude as well all right well uh my guest has been lauren davis a local catholic businesswoman and mother and uh wife and public servant and uh, you know uh, um uh, uh, mama bear can you, can you take that, yes, that mama bear and happy warrior because i yeah. want to say the life can feel hard and dark sometimes but jesus asks us to be joyful and happy and so I do both at the same yeah. time. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you again for taking time to visit in studio. And uh, thanks to Diane Xavier uh, for running the board. Thank you for listening. If you have suggestions for future interviews, you can reach me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Hi, this is Dave Palmer with a friendly reminder of our upcoming summer share 1-800-476-3311. Hey, Cecil, that's the number, but it's too early to start calling. Aw, why? Well, the share doesn't begin until 7 a.m. on Tuesday, June 7th. Oh, so that's when everyone should plan on calling 1-800-476-3311. Yes, and the theme of the share is Eucharistic Revival. So call 1-800-476-3311. That's 1-800-476-3311. Beginning Tuesday, June 7th at 7 a.m. 
Hello, I'm Joshua Stafish, a member of Modern Day Parish in Irving and a new sponsor here at KATH 910AM. I'm the co-owner of Absolute Painting. We serve customers throughout the DFW Metroplex, help them with home improvement projects, both interior and exterior, along with painting, drywall, foundation repairs, and other projects, large and small. I welcome your opportunity to prepare an estimate for your next project. You can find us at absoluteptg.com or by phone and text at 972-375-5100. Hi, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the station, and host this program, which I love doing because I get to find out some of the really interesting things that are happening here in the Dallas and Fort Worth Diocese. And uh, today is a a whopper. I am so excited about this. And so please uh, stay tuned for these next 30 minutes because you're going to hear from some a couple of wonderful ladies who are part of a group that are are just kind of looking at the culture and saying, wow, this, this something is wrong and we got to do something about it. And if, if somebody else doesn't do it, you know, we, we've got to step up. And so uh, we'll explain a little bit more here in a moment. I do want to thank another wonderful lady, Diane Xavier, for running the board for this program. My guests are Heidi Marr. Uh, she is a parishioner of St. Cecilia Parish along with her husband. She, they are parents of six children. And also Michelle Gardner, who is from St. Peter the Apostle Parish in Dallas and also St. Cecilia, and she is a mother of four children, and they um, are joining me here in studio to talk about a an effort that is really gaining steam, uh, 24-hour adoration for the repair and restoration of marriage and family as we approach the month of June. And I know people that have come to hate the month of June because <laughs> of all the pride nonsense and, and that, that we kind of get pummeled with and i think you probably know what we're talking about so uh welcome to both of you and uh thank you very much for being here and for what you're doing so uh heidi tell me about this group a group of laity that like i kind of explained a little bit what what exactly is the purpose and mission and and who are these folks so this is uh we've got a little um group of of uh catholic um, parishioners that are from all over uh, the Dallas area. And um, we actually have a mission statement to bring together area Catholics in an effort to nurture our faith through fun formation and faithful representation. And okay. real simple. And we just, we are um, kind of, you know, fighting truth warriors for trying to fight the culture and trying to really lift up our priests that are are ready to be bold in in terms of their response to the crazy things that are happening in mm-hmm. our in our culture. I'm sure also uh, your your mothers. You've we've got kids. I'm a father. I've got kids. I look at them and I say, what kind of world are they are they going to be growing up in? And so, does this have to do with it? Also, I mentioned Michelle. You've got uh, four four kids, and I'm, I'm sure that's a bit of the motivating factor as well, right? Yeah, I'd say that's definitely true for all of us. Most of the women in the group are mothers, and we've realized that if we don't speak up for the truth, it's going to fall to our children and yeah. it's going to be that much harder. Yeah. So it's the, as a group, we're trying to encourage one another to be bold, to speak what's yeah. true and then lead our children by doing that. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's a culture that's hard to be bold because, uh, you know, we all like the, the Facebook likes and you put pleasant stuff up there and, you know, but every now and then you got to step out. So, uh, Heidi, let's start um, with the fact that the, LGBT, however many letters they want to keep adding to <laughs> right. it, uh, movement uh, is trying to redefine what pride is 
And so we need to learn the and, and remember the true definition of pride, which is one of the seven deadly sins. Uh, pride can be a good thing, of course, sometimes as well. But um, talk about that okay. and how they've kind of they, they've they've taken this word and and and, and used it for, for for purposes that that they that seem to glorify it. Right, right. right. I mean, I think that all of us, um, mothers, fathers, everyone, really knows that um, as June approaches, and it seems like every year it gets a little bit more ramped up. It's difficult to go anywhere without seeing some sort of pride display. Um, you know, for, for those of us who are trying to protect our children, we're you know shielding their eyes as we walk into the stores where the prominent display up front is um, um, all sorts of pride messages mm-hmm. and and rainbow colored um you know mickey mouses and everything else and so every store that you go into and now now even you know the, the business logos are have, have you know everybody has a pride logo for pride month and every sports team has some sort of um pride display um so it's just it's a it's a hard time for those of us who um don't want to just accept this as part of our culture and and um, we have to give some sort of tacit approval by just being silent about it. And so um, I think that in in thinking about Pride Month, we really um, started to to um, look at the the word pride and realize that our culture has really redefined um, what pride means. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's important for all of us to get back to the understanding of the true definition of pride um, and words can really be twisted and, and, and words are really powerful as well. And so our culture is looking at pride as, as you know, it's, it's an example of great self-esteem. You feel good about yourself. You are proud of who you are. And, um, but, but if we think about what, what pride means in the biblical sense, it is one of the, um, it's the first of the seven great deadly sins. Mm-hmm. And um, it is uh, the reason that, that Satan fell. And um, we need to keep that in mind when, um, when we're talking about pride and, and really put that into perspective in terms of um, the opposite virtue, which is humility. Yeah. And, and I am shocked to see how many companies just totally fold because I think if like, if they don't say anything, then that, that, you know, LBGT crowd is just going to pounce on them. And so they all feel like I gotta do something because it's just a thing we do and we all want to be woke and everything. But anyways, Michelle, mm-hmm. you're going to add something as well, right? Yes. Just that pride um, with Satan, it was taking the goodness of himself and removing it from God. And so we're allowed to love ourselves. Everybody can love themselves, but it's the decoupling of it from God. That is the dangerous part. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, then we get lost. Yeah. And so talk about uh, a little bit more, Michelle, about how the culture we live in is, uh, you know, totally twisting this word. And, and not only do they want the, 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 these people to feel good about the, the you know, their, objectively speaking, a, a sinful lifestyle, but wants everybody to celebrate it. Um, and this is, uh, this is not, this is uh, a lot of people being pushed into a corner, uh, where they, where they don't want to be. And there, there's, a, there's incredible pressure, isn't there, there among everybody? Yes, there's incredible pressure. And that is the reason that we have to, you know, we got to elbow, elbow our way back into that table and be able to present a different signpost to people. So, you know, we have our culture giving a signpost post go this way. This way, it will make you happy. This way, will make you feel good about yourself. 
we happen to disagree with that signpost and where it's leading. So we want to offer, we need to speak up so we can offer a different signpost mm-hmm. because you're not going to end up in the same place at the end of that road. And we think that you will be, we don't want that terror and that uh, sadness that comes when you realize you've been deceived. So mm-hmm. it's because we think it's a counterfeit, we need to speak up and we need to offer people some options about which way they're going to go in the face of this question, which you you have to make a choice on. You know, like you were saying with the businesses, it's a litmus test. Yeah, there's you know, it's becoming uh, it's harder and harder to hide from the question mm-hmm. to stand up for where you are and where you go. So if we speak up and we have a different signpost, at least uh, we can encourage other people to have a different way to walk and not have to only go in lockstep down that way. Yeah. Does that and make I, sense? I, yeah, I think so. And uh, definitely. And, and boldness, you know, emboldens others, you know, mm-hmm. cause if everybody is just kind of, oh, whatever, we're just going to kind of go along as everybody else is. And then they, mm-hmm. they see someone stepping out, even if they get persecuted for doing it. And they say, wow, I'm inspired by that. So that's why mm-hmm. I really admire you all stepping out. Cause again, the easy thing to do is just <laughs> to say nothing. Let's just get through this month and, you know, July will be here before long. And, you know, we, you know then we can get on to, uh, you know, past all the rain rainbows and everything. Uh, Heidi, there's, uh, you were brought to my attention that something about C.S. Lewis, um, whom I, I think all of us know and love uh, uh, as a writer, and he was, uh, t- tell us how the C.S. Lewis ties into all this. Yeah, he, well, I just, he has just a great quote about pride, and um, obviously everybody can relate to C.S. Lewis. He was, um, his ability to explain the, the faith to people was amazing, and um, in the early 40s when he was doing some radio talks and someone asked him what is the great sin Um, he said the essential vice the utmost evil is pride unchastity anger greed drunkenness and all that are mere flea bites in comparison it was through pride that the devil became the devil pride leads to every other vice it is the complete anti-god state of mind and i think that it is important for us to remember that and to keep that in mind when we're thinking about pride month and not just say the word and think that that um that the word doesn't have any meaning it does have meaning and we need to remember what it means yeah imagine if you're about to be introduced to somebody let's say you're introducing somebody to a you know somebody that they should date and oh tell me about this person oh they're, they're a very proud person you'd immediately say Ugh, i don't want to meet them right. I, that, that's that's a that's a bad thing i, I don't like proud you know proud people because it's a negative mm-hmm. but somehow like we've talked about this has been t- turned around uh michelle the the relationship between pride and shame. What, what is uh, what, what is that? Well, I think shame is something that every human being deals with. It's a consequence of sin, of our fallen natures. And what it seems is in our culture, we're offering to people who are not feeling good about themselves, not feeling, you know, if you go back it up a bit in our culture on homosexuality, there was a, a really deep sense of not belonging, not being able to be yourself. And it's really not different than any of us. We all have that essential Mm -hmm. struggle as human beings. And I think what's happened is it's offering an antidote to that sense of shame of not belonging and saying, you know, take hold of this lifestyle, take pride in yourself. And again, like that signpost idea, it's, it's offering a cure that I don't think is really going to heal the wound. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything that doesn't reconnect the human back to their true nature and their true purpose to God, uh, very similar to the quote uh, by C.S. Lewis, it's an anti-God state of mind. So 
really the only way to have appropriate pride is in relationship to God because yeah. then you can give the glory to him. Then you, he is the source of that yeah. pride. And so that puts you into right, right relationship. But if you take God out of that equation, then it turns into excessive love of self and um, doesn't end up healing the wound of the human heart. And so, you know, for what people, what the human condition is and what people in this domain are suffering, I want to say there's a different answer. There's something better. And that humility would be something that would restore as it will for all of us, because yeah. we're all sinners. Yeah, right. And I think I, I like that because you're really we show we want to show compassion for people who are you know celebrating pride or maybe mm-hmm. uh, struggling with same sex attraction or you know flaunting it because there's there's a hurt there. There's there's something yeah. that uh, it, that they're they're battling you yeah. know, but uh, that doesn't mean we have to celebrate it. Uh, and we're essentially all the same too. I mean, it's 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 a battle of of our own sinful nature for all of us. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you could equally apply a solution that might be painful to me but would be the true solution for me as well i think that is the road of every human you know and in christians we really try to embrace that yeah so uh let's talk about humility a bit bit. you say this is the answer for pride it's the opposite i study saint thomas aquinas a lot and he says these are kind of on polar opposites uh humility and pride so uh how would we define humility what is it and uh, why is it the antidote? Anything additionally about that? Well, I well, I, what I wanted to talk about, um, it, so because we're right. limited on time, I want to talk about the, what the some of the things that we're trying to do in response to Pride Month. We really felt like there needed to be a, a, a Catholic response to Pride Month, um, and and a couple of years ago, you had on um, Vicky Leland and Jackie Yamuchi, and they had come up with an idea to kind of focus on the virtue of humility during the month of June, um, and you know look at um, look at the the virtue of humility instead of focusing on the vice of pride. And they came up with a you know month long idea of programs that could be implemented in parishes. And obviously, our clergy is super busy and um, and have so much on their plates. It's hard to to implement a whole month long of, of programming. But we, um, our little group, this, the Catholic caravan, as we, as we like to call ourselves, we thought, you know what, we can take a step in this direction to, um, to, to start to implement some of the things that they were trying to do for humility month. Um, and if it's laity driven and laity organized and led, then it takes the pressure off of our priests and, mm-hmm. our, and our clergy to implement it. And so, um, you know, what we did, we decided, we looked at the month of June, we figured out um, what when would be the best time to do this, and we decided that the the first weekend in June would be a great time. It's the first Friday of, of the month, and we're called to reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It's the first um, Saturday of the month when Our Lady of Fatima called us to a reparation as well. And it's also, um, for some people who might not know, the uh, feast day of St. Charles Luanga who, and companions who... Um, was martyred uh, for refusing the sexual advances of his king. So it's a, a great um, saint to intercede for us in this effort. Um, and we we realized also um, that it's the same weekend as the DFW Pride Festival. Mm. And um, for those who don't know, it's one of the largest pride festivals um, in the nation. And so we decided, why don't we pray? And why don't we flood our diocese with prayers Um on this weekend, and it's a way, it's a prayerful way to bring this discussion into our churches because the ultimate goal is that we start addressing this issue. 
We need to be talking about it. Our kids need to hear our leaders talking about it. And so um, we have been really just so thrilled with the response that we've gotten in talking to priests about trying to um, bring this 24-hour adoration um, for the repair and restoration of marriage and family. And this is, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, 24-hour adoration for the repair and restoration of marriage and the family. It's such a, a great response because, yeah, we could go and protest and get to their marches and, you know, uh, but, but this is, we've got to take it to God, you know, and this is the, the most, the most effective way to do this and take it to Our Lady as well. Uh, so tell us about, um, Heidi, I, I guess, the, the, this, this, this plan, 24-hour, uh, our adoration for repair and restoration of marriage and family. How is this going to work? So, um, basically, uh, we have created a flyer, um, that can be modified for any parish, um, and different parishes are choosing, um, different times to do it. We, the goal is to have 24 hour adoration. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, for instance, at our parish at St. Cecilia, um, we are going to be doing it from June 3rd at 8 a.m. to June 4th at 8 a.m. That's Friday into Saturday. Friday into Saturday. Yeah. That's right. And so we have a sign up genius that we've created. We've got a flyer that we've created. And then we also have kind of curated a list of prayer materials on this specific topic for people to have available at the adoration that they can meditate upon during adoration. And so um, basically, um, if anybody wants to bring this to their parish, they can. They, we've, um, you can go to the Catholic Caravan or it's, I'm sorry, CatholicCaravan.org, just CatholicCaravan.org. And, um, it explains the proposal for what we're trying to do. And it gives a, a link where you can get more information, either if you want to sign up to, to pray in adoration or if you want the materials so you can bring it to your priest and bring adoration, uh, to your parish as well. All right, so 8 a.m. to 8, 8 a.m. to 8 a.m., Friday to Saturday, June 3rd to June 4th at St. Cecilia Parish. Michelle, are there other parishes that have signed up uh, in other parts of the Dallas Diocese? Yes, there are. So, of course, you mentioned St. Cecilia in Oak Cliff. We have St. Joseph's in Waxahachie. We have St. Peter's in downtown Dallas, that uh, small Polish church right off uh, Woodall Rogers. We have Our Lady of Perpetual Help. St. Joseph in Richardson, St. John in Ennis, and we have, I believe, a parish in Tyler, St. Jude in Gun Barrel City. So we've had a really good response. Um, we were hoping for one. So yeah. it's, we've yeah, already, been, one. Yeah. already been rewarded for the effort. And I think, you know, there's those silent members. People want this. They want to hear about it. And we're just trying to create a way to empower our priests and each other to hear about a topic where we're we're desperate to have some clarity and some courage. Mm-hmm. And God bless these pastors who are allowing this to happen. As you mentioned, these parishes, I'm familiar with a lot of the pastors, uh, including uh, Father James Yamuchi at uh, St. Joseph's in Waxahachie, a wonder, wonderful priest, wonderful man. And uh, are all of these, are you able to be able to sign up for all these parishes at that one website? Is that how it works? What you do is if you go to the website, there will be a link and it will email someone on our team. And depending on where you want to go, they will connect you with that the contact person for that parish. And if you want to bring it to your parish and talk to your priest about having it at your parish, we will give you the materials that you need to present it to your mm. to your priest. Yeah, I'd like to present this to uh, our parish. Uh, it's in, uh, now, does it matter what diocese? You mentioned there's no, one no. in Tyler Diocese and there's one, there's five 
thrive in the Dallas Diocese. And uh, uh, I have a friend that's in Lafayette, and she's working yeah. with um, her priest there to get I, it into I, Lafayette. I could see this uh, really spreading in the coming years, where all of a sudden you may have a thousand parishes across the country that are doing it. Is that? I mean, I know that's ambitious, but is this the goal? Is to Absolutely. just keep spreading it? Absolutely. Yeah. And and again, I mean, the, the prayer is 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 so incredibly important. Um, but it's also the introduction of this discussion back yeah. into um, our faith, our church, our diocese, our parishes. We need to be talking about this subject. Our, as a mother of six kids, I cannot uh, expect my, my kids to stand up to the culture if they don't have leaders that are doing mm-hmm. it as well. Yeah. And we are, we need our leaders to be out there on the front lines and saying we 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 have the truth of Christ. It is liberating. It is freeing, and mm-hmm. it is the path to salvation. And 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 our kids need that. Yeah, you know, one thing that's kind of, I guess, in some ways, a good problem to have is that people right now are hyper focused on abortion. You know, we're waiting for this Roe v. Wade overturning, and and that, praise God, I hope it's overturned. I pray it is, uh, but at the same time, people can be looking at one issue and forgetting about another. And we're going to get bombarded come June with all this LGBT stuff, all this Pride Month, and so we have got to remain focused. And that's why I'm so happy. Uh, you know, there's not a lot we can do about the the the, the Roe v. Wade. We hope it's overturned. This that's in the Supreme Court's hand. We can keep praying about that, but uh, this is another one of these cultural battles that we really to be laser focused on, isn't it? Yes, and Heidi made a great point on the way here that, you know, people never gave up. It's been a slog for what? Yeah. 40, 50, 50, 50 years. 50 years or something like that. 50 yeah. years of being that small voice, being those people who put their necks out, those early pro people who went and prayed in front of the clinics, arrested, but they never stopped. They never stopped. Sometimes they just had to be like little mice, just not give or a little gnat in your ear, just keep going, keep going. And it, I don't think any of I couldn't have predicted that this would be happening and before us. And if that voice had, hadn't stayed there, if it hadn't kept forging forward, would we be where we are today? Mm-hmm. And so we have to take heart from that with this same issue, put our necks out, be willing to be bold and just not be willing to be quiet and to disappear because souls are at stake. And at some point, it, something else will happen with it. It starts small, but we don't know where it will go. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, so some people could look at something like this and say, "Oh, that's so close-minded. It's so hateful." But it's just the opposite. This is based on love. It's based on charity. And so, uh, to talk about that. How uh, the, the, the connection of charity and love, and really uh, uh, the, the wanting the best for all people, including including those involved in the pride movement, right? Right. Yes, I think that um, you know the culture and and even the church has really gotten on board with this idea of love. Love. We've got to love. We've got to We've got to give people a place, a safe place. But in the Catholic Church, we need to remain focused on the fact that love is meaningless without truth. Yeah. Um, I think it was um, St. Pope John Paul II at Edith Stein's canonization that said, do not accept anything as truth if it lacks love, and do not accept anything as love which lacks truth. One without the mm-hmm. other becomes a destructive lie. Mm. And those are really important words for us to take to heart. We have to unite love to truth um and otherwise we are going to be leading souls astray yeah and it is the time to do that i also think as parents we have a responsibility to um you know there's a fringe in every movement we cannot let the fringe define 
our voice on this issue. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, I, I'm sure every, every, um, every career person that is out there is in a company where they have to keep their mouth shut about all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, because their, their job is at, at jeopardy. Um, in, in social circles, your, your, um, your, your social standing is in jeopardy if you talk about something you shouldn't or if you have an opinion about something that you shouldn't. In my neighborhood, if I talk about it and, mm. and, and with my neighbors, I could be turned away, you know, and at a certain point, we have to decide that we are not going to put our kids in a position to be defined, for their faith to be defined by fringe ideas about this. We need as, as educated, um, faithful, loving, kind people we need to stand up for these issues, so we're not defined by that that the fringe of the yeah. of the movement. Yeah, well, well put. Uh, we just have a, f- a few minutes remaining, and this is the KTH nine ten a.m. interview of the week. Just to remind you that we are talking about twenty four adoration, twenty four hour adoration for the repair and restoration of marriage and family, focusing on Humility Month, which is something that started uh, as uh, Heidi mentioned uh, uh, recently by two wonderful uh, ladies here in the Dallas Diocese uh, in studio. With me now, Heidi Marr and Michelle Gardner, uh, talking about uh, Humility Month as a response to Pride Month that everybody else in the culture seems to be uh, recognizing, especially with uh, um, a particular party in power right now. We're going to see a, a lot of it in this nation. I, I, I just know. So let's let's recap um, the, the most important points here. Uh, about getting to that website, catholiccaravan.org. Um, Michelle, can you, uh, kind of remind everybody, uh, the parishes, sure. uh, the website, what they need to do? If they're listening right now and they're saying, okay, I want to be involved in this. Well, and again, if they're not at a parish of the six you mentioned, what, what can they do also? They, well, first of all, they can certainly come and participate at any of these parishes. They don't have to be doing it at their parish. So again, it's St. Cecilia in Oak Cliff. St. Joseph in Waxahachie, St. Peter's in downtown Dallas, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, uh, St. Joseph in Richardson, St. John in Ennis, and in Tyler, for anybody out there, St. Jude in Gun Barrel City. Now, if they want to bring it to their own priest and see if he would host an event, the materials are going to be available or perhaps already are on catholiccaravan.org. Um, and there are, we have tried to preload it so it's easy for the priest and the ladies to sort of pick up and run with it. And um, so either way, join another parish. And I would guess you get to the sign up genius for another parish through their website. Is it once, once you go on to CatholicCaravan.org, that was just kind of a fielding spot for, for us to get you to the contact people at each parish. And they okay. can, they can connect you with the sign up genius. How else are y'all promoting this other than obviously the radio interview? But uh, how is the word getting about? Just uh, word of mouth, emails, <laughs> listservs, um, I, Facebook, whoever. I, I'm not on social media, but I will, of course, tell everybody I know that is on social media to put it out there. Yeah. Um, so we hope that we can get as many people involved as possible. And it's pulled together, not, it hasn't been running for a long time, the idea. So we've really just quickly pulled together and started to take some action. Yeah. So, And I bet you're so right, because that, that Supreme Court, well, the Supreme Court case uh, legalizing, air quotes, gay marriage was uh, 2015. So we're only, what, seven years removed from that. And like you say, uh, with Roe v. Wade, it, it 
uh, I, I bet you the rallies in 1974 were very small compared to the ones in 2021. Right. So, so this is something that's gaining steam, and, and and eventually people just have to kind of wake up and, and realize, yeah, if we've, we've got to speak out about this. Um, I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I have some other ideas that I'll share with you about how you can get the word out about this. Um, CatholicCaravan.org is the website. Again, just to repeat real quickly, the parishes that are currently signed up, and hopefully there will be more, uh, St. Joseph's in Waxahachie, St. Peter the Apostle in Dallas, uh, Our Lady Perpetual Help in Dallas, St. Joseph's in Richardson, St. John Nepumacene in Ennis, uh, St. Jude, did I get that right? Uh, I I can't read my writing here. Uh, okay, and then, uh, and, and I'm sorry, St. Jude in Gun Barrel City, Correct. the Tyler Diocese. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for sticking your neck out in the line and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, yeah. be willing, willing to take a chance. And I'm really happy to be able to promote this on the radio today. Thanks. Dave. Thank you so much. And thanks for giving us the opportunity to start that process of sort of detoxifying the conversa- conversation mm-hmm. and allowing it to be part of the marketplace. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.